You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Before we can follow him, we've got to surrender all we have. As Peter said to Jesus, we have left all we had to follow you. Notice what he's saying. I had to give up everything. I had to surrender everything in order to follow you. So after you have prayed, check out whether or not there's something you need to surrender. Is there anything you need to give up? Anything you just need to lay aside in order to go on with Jesus? Anything you need to give up? So everybody say we may trust him. Today in his message, Pastor Jeff shows you the key to discipleship, surrendering your all for the sake of God's kingdom. Just as Jesus offered his life on the cross for your redemption, you're called to be a daily sacrifice in following God's greatest calling for your life. When you fully surrender, it allows God's light to shine through your life and outwardly into the lives of others. Remember that your commitment to God's purpose extends beyond words. Make disciples in the name of Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Psalms, chapter 37, as he continues his message, Now That You've Prayed. I want you to realize today that it's very, very important that once we ask God, once we pray about something, that we know how to wait on God, the attitude we're to have, how we're to walk between the asking and the answer, the promise and the provision. How do we walk between those things with the right attitude so that when the answer comes, we have been waiting in faith, not in doubt, not in impatience, not in giving up, but we have been waiting in faith for God to answer. And the answer is in the psalm we read. Now I want to just take four things this psalm told us. It says, between the asking and the answer, between the promise and the provision, the first thing we are told to do is trust God. Can you say with me, trust him? Let's say it like we really mean it. Trust him. David writes, trust in the Lord. Once you've prayed, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Now he says that prayer must begin with trust in the God who is faithful. Listen, you're not going to pray to a God that you can't trust. You're not going to expect something from him if you don't trust him. Trusting God is the beginning of all prayer. All prayer rests on trust in the character and the person of God. Are you with me? If you don't trust him, forget prayer. You got to trust him. You got to trust your spouse. If you're going to walk with somebody, you got to trust them. If you've got a friend, you've got to trust that friend because, listen, relationship is built on trust. Am I wrong or am I right? Relationship is built on trust. If you lose trust, there is no relationship. You got to trust the person you're relating to, friends, spouses, children, whoever you're in relationship with. When you lose trust, the relationship has hydrochloric acid poured on it. It will not survive. It will fall apart if trust is gone. And so all prayer begins with trust. The weeds of worry grow in the soil of mistrust in God. When trust falters, faith wilts because faith stands on what we believe about God. See, I tell you all the time, kind of a broken record with this, but I know that it's so crucial to your walk with the Lord. It matters what you and I believe about God. What do you believe about God? You have beliefs about him. You have concepts about him. You have drawn conclusions about him. 
What do you believe about the God that we worship today, the God who we claim sent his only begotten son? What do you believe about that God? Is he trustworthy? Is he a God of his word? Does he keep his promises? See, our answers to those questions decide the strength of our faith. Our faith is built on what we believe about God. If I believe he's a healer, I'm going to believe him to heal me. If I believe that he is a guider, I'm going to believe him to guide me. If I believe he's a savior, I'm going to believe him to save me. If I believe he has a chokehold on the devil and that he has defeated the devil, I'm going to believe him to defeat the devil in my life. If I believe that he is a deliverer, I'm going to believe him to deliver me. See, it matters what you believe about God. If I believe he's some mean, angry uh, God up there with a furrowed brow and steam coming out of his ears and he's mad at me most of the time, then I'm not going to come to him to pray. I'm going to duck and dodge him. I'm going to avoid him. It matters what we believe about God. This is why God continuously assures us of his trustworthy character in the Bible. The Bible tells us all the time how trustworthy he is. Let me just read some verses to you. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant. Now notice, he's telling us, your God, the God of the Bible, is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He will not let you down. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. 1 Corinthians 1, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you hear the word over and over again? The God we worship is faithful. He won't let you down. He won't break his promise. He won't drop you in tough times. When everybody else walks out, he'll walk in. Come on, everybody. He's faithful. Here's one of our favorites. No temptation has taken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He is faithful. To do what? He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to endure it, but with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it, and you can count on that because he is faithful. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is the character of God like? Listen to this. God is not a man. Everybody say, thank God. God is not a man. How many have ever had a man or a woman fail you? The rest of you, I don't know what planet you're living on. But I want you to look what it says about God. He's not a man that he should lie or a son of man, that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? It's a rhetorical question, and the answer is, of course, if he promised it, he's going to do it. If he said it, he's a God of his word, and you can depend on him every time when the chips are down, you can depend on him. He's not a man that he can lie. There are some things that are indeed impossible with God. One of them is he can't lie. Another one is he can't break his word. He will not break his word. So David first says, listen, after you have prayed, after you have prayed, you've been in there in the place of prayer, you've been in the prayer closet, 
You have bombarded heaven about certain things. You've asked God to provide, do this, do that, lead you, guide you, help you, provide for you, do whatever, deliver you, heal you. And after you have come out of that prayer closet, David says, first thing, now trust God. Walk in trust. And then he says, second, after you have prayed, delight in him. He says, delight yourself also in the Lord. And look at the connection. And he will give you. Everybody say, give you. Now, this is talking about prayer. He will give you the desires of your heart. Notice how delighting in him and answered prayer are entwined together. They're connected. If I delight in God, he says, he's going to give me the desires of my heart. Now, let me talk to you about this. How can you delight in a God you can't see? Because to delight in somebody, you got to find out who they are. you got to find out what they're like. You've got to get to know them. Now, let me ask you a question. Can I know God? Can you and I know God? Come on, talk to me. Can we know God? Can we know God? All right. How do we know God? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Look at me, Jesus said, look at me, because if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And how do we know God? We know God through Jesus Christ, and we know God by what the Bible tells us about God. I just read you several things about God. See, for me to delight in somebody, I got to know if they're delightful. How am I going to know if they're delightful so I can delight in them? I've got to get to know them. So when it comes to delighting in God, and we are commanded, he says, delight yourself. He didn't say pray about it. He didn't say, let me make a suggestion. He said, if you want God to give you the desires of your heart, if you want to increase answers to your prayer, then after you have prayed, focus on him and delight yourself in God. Let him be your delight. Well, that must mean he's delightful. Can we say together, God's delightful. If he's not delightful, I can't delight in him. But he's delightful. When we see what the Bible tells us about God, it is so easy to delight in him because actually the God of the Bible is not a scary, mean, fire-breathing God, but he is delightful and can be delighted in. Let me read some things. First of all, I see in the Bible he's a merciful and a loving God. Now, if he's a human being, and I'm getting to know a human being, and this person is merciful and loving, I've already found something I can delight in in that person. Amen? If you've got a friend that's merciful and loving, if you've got a spouse merciful and loving, or children or parents or whatever, merciful and loving, then I've already found something I can delight in. Listen to what it says about God. His compassion never ends. It never ends. His compassion never stops. There's never a day or an hour or a minute or a second where the compassion of God stops. He says, it is only the Lord's mercies that have kept us from complete destruction. How many of you know that's true? Great is his faithfulness. His loving kindness begins afresh each day. Oh my this God that we love and that we serve, his loving kindness, his mercies are new every morning. He's got mercy for you every morning that wasn't there the day before. You might as well use up today's mercies because there's some new mercies coming tomorrow. Because he gives every morning and when we wake up, his mercies are new, fresh, freshly sent. Like the manna was on the ground every single morning 
When they got up and went out of their tents and gathered the manna in their wilderness wanderings, the children of Israel, in the same way, when we wake up, we need to realize and get it on our minds. I serve a God who is so delightful that he has laid aside mercies and compassion for me today that are brand spanking new. Brand spanking new. Great is his faithfulness. His loving kindness begins fresh each day. You know, every day, God says, I love you. I love you. I believe your loved ones in your life, you need to tell them every day you love them. Tell them every day you love them. Every day. Tell your spouse you love them. Tell your children you love them. Tell the people you hold close that you love them. Because you never know when they could be gone. And if we, being imperfect, can say to our loved ones, I love you, every day, then how about the delightful God we're to delight in? Because he tells us right here, every day, I'm telling you first thing in the morning, I love you. So how about we just wake up and say, Lord, I know you've told me I love you, so I want to love you back. Try this, I love you more. He'll say, no, you don't do that, because I love you more. But tell God every day you love him, because every day he tells you, fresh and new, I love you. That's our delightful God. He's a delightful God. Now, he's a giving God. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give? Everybody say give. What does he give? What is good to those who ask him? Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, James said, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of change. Every day, our God is a giving God. Now, that's delightful. Now, if I'm hanging around with somebody who every day gives me something, I'm delighted. Amen? I'm delighted. Now, if a person can make me feel that way, what about God? Can we say again, my God is delightful, so I can delight in him. Amen. Can we give him a hand of praise today? Come on, everybody. He's delightful. No wonder Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You follow me, and it's not some heavy thing. You follow me, and I'll set you free, and you're going to find that you're walking with a delightful God who loves us every day. He's patient with our flaws. The Lord is like a father, the Bible says, to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. That means he's patient with our flaws. How many of you are so thankful that you can mess up 20 times and God still forgives you? Amen? I don't even like the phrase anymore, God of the second chance. If that's all he is, then we're all sunk. Because I need a God of a 10th chance, 20th chance, 100th chance, 1,000th chance. Amen? I need a God who gives me all kinds of chances. And that's the God of the Bible. He's delightful. He is patient with my flaws, remembers that I am weak and I am only dust. In other places, we're told he's long-suffering, forgiving, faithful, the giver of hope, the giver of strength, the giver of encouragement, new beginnings, fresh horizons. When we're hurting, he comforts us. When we fail, he encourages us. When we're lonely, he comes alongside us. When we're struggling, he strengthens us. He is a delightful, delightful God that I can delight in. When we consider the God of the Bible, it becomes easier and easier to obey that word, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. No wonder David compared our God to a wonderful feast. 
He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Amen. So say with me, trust him and delight in him after you've prayed. This is after you've prayed, trust him and delight yourself in him. Remind yourself of how delightful he is when you're waiting on him to answer. And the next thing David mentions is, after you pray, be sure you've surrendered all. He says, commit your way to the Lord. That means commit everything you do, every path you take, every decision you make, every direction you turn, commit it to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Be sure the path you're walking down is the path of surrender. Now, let me just talk to you about real Christianity and the raw. A lot of times you listen to a lot of preachers and messages out there. It's like God is some divine Santa Claus just waiting for you to say the right thing so he can release it onto you. And that he's just basically somebody that's there to make you happy. But let me tell you something. Most of God's blessings require some kind of surrender before the blessing comes, even when it's answered prayer. He says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will bring it. What is the it? The preposition it. What is the it there? He will bring it to pass. What to pass? Your prayer. He will bring it to pass. Your prayer. So see, sometimes the Lord can't answer our prayer because there's a boulder in the middle of the king's highway in our life, and we're hanging on to something that hinders God from being able to carry us along in the journey. You know that I love cycling. I love cycling. It's my hobby. And I'll go uh, 20, 30 miles on my road bike. And I usually go down this little path. It's like a two-way sidewalk. And so the, you know, the bike is on the right and people coming this way or on the left. And it's big enough for two bikes passing each other. But one day I was cooking down this sidewalk and all of a sudden in front of me was this branch that had fallen totally across the sidewalk. And it was right in my path and I was headed for it lickety split. And I had to hit my brakes and I realized very quickly, I can't continue in my journey until I remove that log. I had to get out picked that thing up, hoisted out of the way. I was so thankful that I wasn't going by when it fell. And only after I moved it could I continue. That's the way it is with you and me when there's something in our life we need to surrender before God can answer a prayer. We got to move that log. We've got to give something up. Listen, the quality of your walk with God will be in direct proportion to your level of surrender. I'm going to say that again. The quality of your walk with God will be in direct proportion to your level of surrender. You know, we sing, I surrender all, I surrender all, except this and that and the other and that idol here and that idol over there and that person here and that thing there. That's the way we ought to sing it. You know, it's easier to sing than it is to do. Have you ever noticed that? It's way easier to sing, I surrender all, than it is to do it. Sometimes before God can answer our prayer, we must first surrender something. That's why he says, commit your way to the Lord. Give everything you do, every path you're taking. Be sure that it's his path, his way, his decision, what he's led you to do. Because he wants to bless you. And sometimes a prayer can't be answered until we surrender something. For instance, the rich young ruler, he came to Jesus and said, Lord, let's talk about eternal life. Tell me about eternal life. I want eternal life. And Jesus listed commandments to him. He listed several of the Ten Commandments. And the young man 
brag. And he said, well, all these things I have kept from my youth. I've been keeping all these things from my youth. But Jesus, knowing all people, looked at him and said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then, 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 come. Then, when, then. When you have gotten rid of what is your God instead of me. When you have gotten rid of, when you have surrendered what is keeping you from me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. He couldn't surrender his riches, and so the Lord couldn't answer his prayer for eternal life. But on a lesser scale, there are times we pray, and God can't do it until we surrender. See, my experience is that moving forward to the next level with God almost always requires surrendering something. Seems like I've never gone up to the next level, but what I didn't have to surrender something, a new level of sanctification, a new level of commitment, giving up this, that, or the other so that I can move on with God. See, before he can guide us, we must first surrender our own way. Before he can use us, we've got to surrender our own pride. Before he can fill us, we've got to surrender our emptiness. Before we can follow him, we've got to surrender all we have. As Peter said to Jesus, we have left all we had to follow you. Notice what he's saying. I had to give up everything. I had to surrender everything in order to follow you. So after you have prayed, check out whether or not there's something you need to surrender. Is there anything you need to give up? Anything you just need to lay aside in order to go on with Jesus? Anything you need to give up? So everybody say with me, trust him, delight in him, surrender to him. And finally, David says, rest in him. Now, I like that one. Rest in him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him after you have prayed and trusted him and delighted in him and surrendered to him. Rest in him. I believe rest is last because after you've done the first three, that's when rest is possible. Amen? See, the original Hebrew where he says, rest in the Lord. The original Hebrew reads like this, hush, be still. Hush, be still. Exactly what Jesus spoke to the storm at sea. He spoke to the howling wind and the roaring waves, and he said, hush, be still. And I believe that's a metaphor for what happens inside of us, because listen, peace is an inside job. We don't have to wait for everything to be peaceful out here as children of God to be peaceful in here. Peace is an inside job. Peace is something God does. But listen, it comes after we're walking in trust and delighting in him and have surrendered everything in the way to knowing him. When those three things have happened, rest comes. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and follow me and you will find what for your souls? He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest, rest, rest for what? Your soul. Rest in your soul. Peace with God is the greatest tranquilizer in the world. That's how you sleep at night when you've got peace with God. Rest means you're not worried, storm-tossed, fearful, or agitated. His peace has enveloped you. So you can rest in him because you trust him, you delight in him, You've surrendered to him, and now you're resting in him, and that's after you've prayed. Now, now, this is how you leave the how and when to him after you've prayed. Now, you know, he's going to work it out better than I ever could. Amen? Let's say together, trust, 
delight, surrender, rest. Amen. Sound good? Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen. And that's the power of prayer. In today's message from Pastor Jeff, he showed you the importance of steadfast prayer, regardless of the outcome. While God's response may not always align with your desires, His divine plan will always hold blessings beyond your comprehension. Prayer isn't solely about receiving what you ask for. It's about aligning with God's will and deepening your relationship with Him. Even when His answers differ from your expectations, trust that His wisdom far exceeds yours. I'll hand it over to Diane now, who will let you know more about Hardwired. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Daniel has more on that, giving you something to look forward to. When you pray, what do you do while you wait? Do you have a plan for what to do when you're waiting on the Lord? In his next message, Pastor Jeff illuminates the unchanging truth that amid challenging circumstances, persistent prayer brings divine intervention. While outcomes might not mirror your expectations, God's faithfulness will always prevail. Trust that He stands by your side, orchestrating a path that serves your ultimate good. Align your heart with God's plan. Thanks for taking time to be with us today as we studied God's Word. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Jeff, visit hardwired.org. On behalf of Pastor Jeff and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again right here on Hardwired.